Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from, some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. week that saw Netflix give us more Drag Race, Stacey Solomon and Paddy McGuinness join Celebrity Juice, and Death in Paradise get recommissioned for two more series, this is Series Linked. I'm Emma Bullymore from the TV Times, and this is Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. Hi Jeffers. Hey Emma, how's it going? Good, thank you. Well, on this week's episode of the podcast, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand, we're set for a huge week of television with the return of Fleabag, White Gold and Dairy Girls, me and Jeffers will be sharing our thoughts. We'll also be talking about the brand new drama starring Richard Gere, a lister, mother, father, son. Plus, we've a very special announcement about a bonus episode of this podcast with one of the biggest stars on the planet. We'll be giving you a sneak peek of that as well. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. So how have you been, Jeffers? Yeah, not too bad yourself. Yeah, good, thank you. It's been quite a busy week for telly because everyone's talking about BritBox, a bit sort of dry. You know, it's not a fun programme or something to be talking about, but it is going to make quite a difference, I think. This is this big streaming service that sees BBC and ITV joining forces. It already exists in America, but they're bringing it over here. Yes, it's another idea to try and get some more revenue for the TV channels here. Also, in a way, I think it's about them protecting their sort of crown jewels, if you like. At the moment, a lot of their shows, once they've been on iPlayer or ITV Hub, they tend to go on to Netflix. And I think what you're going to find in the future is a lot of those programmes are just going to sort of stay here and stay on BritBox. And they're going to try and get you to, to pay for that instead. In the States at the moment, it's $6.99. So I think over here, we're probably looking at something like £5 to get it. The main issue is a lot of people are just going to see it as another cost for them. It's another thing they've got to buy on top of the Netflix, on top of Sky. There has been a little bit of a backlash over it. And people are cross as well because they say, I'm already paying my licence fee. I shouldn't be having to pay for this content. But I think the idea is that things will actually have a longer life on iPlayer. So maybe be there for a year rather than 28 days and then move over. I think is the idea. But then they're also talking about original content. But I think that's ITV. I think you shouldn't get too worried about this. You're not going to be missing out on Strictly or it's not going to be the latest drama that is going to be on BritBox before it's on BBC One. I don't see those things happening. And as you say, they are looking into and pushing at the moment to be able to extend having uh, things on iPlayer for a year instead of 28 days. And that, that sort of process is already happening. It's more about long term things being put on there. For example, on the holding page, there's pictures of things like Victoria or Les Mis and those kind of things. Once they've been on the hub or iPlayer, they're going to then permanently sort of live on that Brit box. They also, there, there could be a really good thing that could come out of this. Uh, hopefully BBC and IT will go through the archives 
and you're going to be able to get great shows from perhaps the 70s, 80s, 90s that maybe we can't buy at the moment or you've, you've got to try and track down on DVD and perhaps they're going to pop up on BritBox and that could be quite exciting. And they also want Channel 4 to join them, I think. I think the idea is eventually they would hope it would be Channel 4 and Channel 5 and all of the terrestrial channels in a little gang trying to fight these big, you know, huge Amazon and Netflix. Yeah, the BBC have made quite a big play of that. The Director General Tony Hall has spoken a few times about trying to take on Netflix and sort of this David Goliath situation because Netflix has got such a big budget. So they're hoping that this will be another sort of tool for them to help that with. But I just think in terms of the money involved, it's not, it's not huge sums. It's going to make them a, a few million pounds a year if, if it works out, perhaps a little bit more than that. But we're talking about billions of pounds now when it comes to budgets for making these big shows. So I'm not sure how much of a difference it's going to make when they're taking on something like Netflix. It's such a big force now. It produces so many great shows that we talk about on here. So it feels quite a drop in the ocean to me that the whole idea of BritBox. And also, they're well, they are on the back foot because they tried to get this through, what was it, 10, 12 years ago and Ofcom stopped them because of competition rules. And now they're saying, oh, OK, you can do it. But there's sort of a lot of people are saying it's it's too little, too late. What I mainly hope is that the technology is good because iPlayer is a fantastic piece of tech. ITV Hub is appalling. It's so annoying whenever I try and go on there. So fingers crossed that it's more like iPlayer. Yeah, I think that's a really important part. People at the moment, I think, are dubious or, or don't really like to watch necessarily stuff on things like Hub or even all four, the technology is not smooth, it's not perfect, it's not as good as, say, when you're streaming on something like Netflix. And those, those things are really important because you, you try and watch a programme two, three times on one of these products, and if you don't like it, it doesn't feel smooth, it's going to put you off for a long time then to, before you go back. Let's get stuck into some actual telly, shall we? Because Great. we've mentioned this on almost every podcast we've done, I think, but it's because it's so brilliant. Fleabag is finally back. Hooray! What did you... I mean... I know what you think, because when we went to the screening, the press screening for this, you were beside yourself, like almost crying with excitement about it. Yeah, she Phoebe Waller-Bridge is like, you know, it's almost like an idol of mine, I suppose. You know, she'd be my dream guest ever, to, probably on the podcast. I just think her writing is fantastic. She's a fantastic actor as well. And Fleabag is one of those things that's really beautifully observed. It's also very fan, fantastically funny as well. The dialogue is really great. And for series two, we've also got this great new character, which is a priest played by Andrew Scott. He comes in and basically the first episode is all set during a dinner party and it just goes from there. And it's just a really great start and so much better than I could have hoped it would be, to be honest. It's so slick. You never quite know what's going to happen next. She is unlike any character you see on TV. Her voice is so fresh, as we saw in Killing Eve. I think it'd be interesting, actually. A lot of people who wouldn't have seen Fleabag but did see Killing Eve, I think, might come to this. And I actually think this is better than the first series, personally. I think she grows more as a character. There's more meat to what's happening. I actually think it's a bit more sophisticated. I love series one, but I do think this is a step up, actually. The other thing uh, that you've got now is you know the full backstory of the character. So you know perhaps why she's the way she is, why she's quite an emotional character, why maybe she's struggling to hold down relationships. So the character is that much richer, which which helps in terms of the dramatic side of it. And also I think it helps with some of the jokes because you sort of know her type of humour and you're thinking, oh, she's not going to do that, is she? Or, or maybe maybe she will because she's done stupid things or funny things before. And so I just think um, if, you, if you've sort of invested in and watched the first series, it, it just helps and makes the second one or certainly the opening episode uh, even better. I was sitting at home with my dad the other day and he saw the trailer for this. And he was like, oh, that actually looks quite funny. I was like, oh, oh, I don't really know if it's a dad-friendly show. Don't want to be watching it with your parents. No, I certainly won't be watching it with him. But it's brilliant. I didn't want to put him off watching it because it's brilliant, but I'm not really sure it's it's aimed at 
him can be a bit racy, shall we say? But then I, I don't. I'm not sure. Every, everyone I spoke to pretty much has enjoyed it. I've spoken to lots of people at different ages, and I feel like the writing is good and it holds up for sort of almost almost any age. It feels like she is speaking for sort of her generation, her sort of age, but but also people of, of different ages can probably relate to it because it just feels so, I suppose, so believable in some cases, and in other bits so so ridiculously funny because of her character. So from one absolutely celebrated comedy to another. If Fleabag wasn't enough, Dairy Girls is also returning on Channel 4. Were you a big fan of Dairy Girls first time round? I'll tell you what, I, I sort of missed it first time round and I've invested in it this week and I've been watching quite a few episodes. And I, I'm not sure why, but I didn't think this one was going to be for me. But I've got to be honest, I don't want to be too positive all the time. It's not like me, but I loved it and I thought it was really great in a slightly different way to Fleabag. I think um, although it's the, the backdrop is the troubles, I think it's quite light, um, the really sort of great cheesy music took me back to, to oh, the, the mid-90s. the soundtrack is incredible. And the thing that strikes you really is it, it's a really great way to look at something that's so serious and it sort of looks at it in a different way. Also, um, it's loved in Northern Ireland. It's the most popular show Channel 4 has ever had there. And I'm told from friends over there that it's liked by Catholics and Protestants and it's just generally adored over there. And um, yeah, I was surprised how much I liked it. But the characters are great. They're very believable. They could be teenagers in some ways anywhere they're having a lot of troubles that all teenagers have but you've got that sort of religious backdrop and and I just think it works really well I am not a massive massive Derry Girls fan and I'm so scared to say that out loud because I think I'm about the only person yeah it's unusual yeah I've spoken to about three other people who aren't sure about it but people absolutely love it for me I just don't really like watching adults dressing up as teenagers or whatever it's just not really school comedy isn't really my kind of thing but I can see that it's well made I can see that I can see why people do like it it's just not really for me but people you know were obsessed with it from the moment it came out the first episode that came out everyone was talking about it I think there's a slightly different audience to Fleabag but there is that anticipation in the same way as there is with Fleabag for Derry Girls there's a lot of people who can't wait for this second series to start it does feel different tonally and it, it does feel a bit lighter a bit of a sort of easy watch I suppose um, yeah I, I can't say enough about it in terms of how much I like it I'm going to sort of go back and make sure I watch I've, got, I've watched every episode now and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to seeing more So we're going mad for celebrity specials this week. We've got the return of Celebrity Bake Off on Channel 4 in aid of Stand Up to Cancer and the first British Celebrity Apprentice in 10 years, can you believe that, for comic relief. Our celebrity versions are always a staple of any channel schedule and there are loads about. But my question to you, Jeffers, this week is, which TV shows would you still like to see have a celebrity spin-off? I think this is the hardest question you've set me like in this Thanks. feature. Thanks, I try. Since since we've started, because to be honest, there's probably too many celebrity shows on in general. Sure. Normally, I've got a long list of them. This time, less so. I think I'd like quite like to see a celebrity version of Jeremy Carl on ITV. I think that could be nice. quite fun. I know there's been a few famous faces on Jeremy Carl, but I think you could have you know the full families, the full celeb families on there. Lie detector tests, relationship problems, the absolute works. I think that would be really good. Isn't that Towie? Well, yeah, maybe any of those sort of shows. Yeah, see them at people airing their grievances with that audience. I think that would be quite fun. But the one I've sort of plumped for is an idea of celebrity question time. Oh, that would be amazing. Now, I know they, they do have the odd celebrity on there, but they tend to be very well informed or well educated or some sort of political slant on it. I think what we want is, you know, you're sort of I'm a celeb or strictly come down to those type of level celebs doing question time. I think it would be funny in some ways because maybe their idea of what politics is or, or just their ideas generally about what's going on would be quite interesting. And also maybe in some cases they would sort of speak for the masses. I'm not sure everyone is that 
ginned up on politics and, w- and what's happening. I think it could be quite an interesting spin. Kevin Clifton on Brexit. Well, I Tess like and it. Claudia yeah, on yeah. NHS. Craig Revelhorwood sort of uh, giving his opinion, some sort of snide comment about the other people on, on the lineup. This is bringing together my TV passions. I love Question Time. Sometimes make the mistake of tweeting about it and then getting an argument till about 2am. And then Strictly as well. This would be genius. I think people do get animated. There's a particular audience for Question Time and there is a lot of social media talk when Question Time's on. But obviously that's only a, that certain audience that's already there. I think there's a whole new audience, perhaps a younger audience as well, who, who might be into it. So if the BBC are listening, they could have that one for free. I have to say that I think Celebrity Bake Off is one of the best ones because they cast it really well. They get actual actual famous people on there and it's usually really good. Celebrity Apprentice isn't as good as the American one because they only do it for like a week. To be fair to them this time, I think they've got quite a good lineup. You know, Amanda Holden, people like that. Sam Allardyce, the former England football manager. These are people um, we're not used to seeing in sort of that different environment and, and I think it, I'm quite looking forward to it. I think it's going to be quite good. You're listening to Series Linked. Still to come, another box set to watch before you die. Plus, up next our very exciting announcement. When you buy clothes from Balkan, you're not buying from just another online retailer. You're buying from a five-star rated brand. Fit and quality is at the heart of everything we do. And you're not buying throwaway fashion either. You're buying meticulously crafted, elegant pieces that you'll love forever. Our collections are defined by foundational pieces infused with timeless essentials and relevant trends. Marie Claire described our collections as everyday designs with a cool fashion edge. And The Telegraph said, if you're after a perfectly pulled together, paired back capsule wardrobe, then Balkan is your go-to. Right now, you can enjoy a little luxury for less in our end-of-season sale. And with free delivery and returns when you spend £59, there's never been a better time to try us. In fact, the only difficult bit is spelling our name. Balkan. B-A-U-K-J-E-N. Find us at balkan.com. That's B-A-U-K-J-E-N.com. So earlier on, we teased you a little bit. We were talking about some big news that we've got. And I'm very happy to tell you, very excited, that we have a special bonus episode of Series Linked that's going to be released on Friday morning with a special guest. God, if you could have told 18-year-old me that we'd be interviewing (laughs) him, I would be so excited. It's Ricky Gervais. We caught up with Ricky to speak about his brand new Netflix sitcom, Afterlife. Jeffers, set it up a little bit for us. Well, basically, Ricky is playing Tony. He's a local paper journalist, not unlike myself a few years back. Unfortunately for Tony, he has had some bad news. His wife has died. His wife's called Lisa. She and him have been together for 25 years. And basically, his life, in his eyes, is over. He has contemplated suicide. He's very down on his luck. And he just sort of decides to go a bit gung-ho and he's just going to do whatever he wants now, whether it upsets people or not. So it's really all about this character, Tony, and, and him living without his wife. And it's classic Gervais, isn't it? It's unflinching, unapologetic, but very funny. It's got a really nice mix, I think, of both the sort of emotional scenes and the very amusing scenes. Quite dark comedy, which you, you'd associate with Ricky, but it's a really good mix. And I think, yeah, I think it's a good one. Well, this is a little snippet from our chat. And we asked him how he would cope if he had to live without his partner, Jane. And do you think you'd fall apart without Jane? Would you be drinking curry out of a tin can? Would you be having pints of Weetabix and water? How, how do you think you would cope? Jane went to Brighton once um, to visit her mum. And the boiler went, and I didn't know how to do it. 
and <laughs> I couldn't get the telly on. So I sat for two nights. So she went for two days. Two days. And, <laughs> and she came out and it was like... It was, honestly, it was like Castaway. <laughs> I was on the couch under a blanket with the cat, right, listening to internet radio because I couldn't get the telly working. And then when she went away, next time she, she, uh, she left me an instructions, right? <laughs> she left me instructions. She drew a picture of the remotes and what they all did and I still had to FaceTime her. <laughs> And go, well, what do you say? No, that's on, you move it to the skybox. And then I, I go, why, oh, just get us a normal telly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I would fall apart. I mean, obviously, emotionally first. Um, I, I don't know how I'd cope with it. I don't know how I'd cope with You don't know. You don't know, do you? You know? Um, but no, I don't, I don't sit around. I love life. I know it's going to happen and uh, I, uh, I I try not to think about it if anything except you know comedically or, or philosophically when, when it's asked. It was a really interesting chat we covered everything from freedom of speech to Twitter critics to the fact that we're both desperate for a dog all sorts of stuff he was on great form wasn't he Jeffers? Yeah and we were lucky enough to do it in his offices where he works out of and he, he'd just been for a, a nice sort of walk and he seemed in a very relaxed mood and he, he gave us a lot of his time and it, it was just a really enjoyable day really. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you're ready because it's going to be on your device as soon as we publish it on Friday morning, a big extended one hour special episode and you won't want to miss it. We've, we've sort of got a bit of a BBC Two section this week, not necessarily yeah. on purpose, but there's another huge name coming to the small screens. It's, it's all in vogue. All the Hollywood stars are coming over. Richard Gere is starring in a BBC Two drama. Loving a bit of that. Sad Julia Roberts not in it, obviously. This is Mother, Father, Son. Tell us a bit about it, Jeffers. Well, it's a bit of a, a sort of media empire drama to start with anyway. And Richard Gere is playing Max who is a self-made uh, American businessman at the heart of British politics and power because he runs some of the biggest newspapers here. Bit might of a Murdoch. S- yeah, it might sound a bit like someone we know uh, <laughs> who runs some big papers over here who's, who's not American, but there's a lot of similarities there. And it's about him and his ex-wife, Catherine, who's played by Helen McCrory, and his son, who's basically running one of his newspapers. And that's how it sort of starts. You see Max arriving in London and it's sort of how he's going to shape politics in his eyes. And then there's going to be a lot of drama with the family as well. That's sort of how it starts. I'm really not sure about this drama, to be honest with you. What did you think? Uh, I found it intriguing. So it's written by Tom Rob Smith, who is the guy behind London Spy and the assassination of Gianni Versace. So I knew it was going to be brooding. I knew it was going to be quite dark. And actually, from the moment he steps off that private jet, I'm, I am intrigued by, by Richard Gere's character. There's a really racy, probably I'd say unnecessary sex scene in it, which is not safe for work. Be careful if, you, if you're watching it on the tube or whatever. Um, and there are, there are some bits that I was like, oh, whatever, you've been a bit pretentious. But in general, I was sucked in. I, I wanted to know what was going to happen. It does leave you on the, at the end of episode one. You're thinking, oh, that's a big thing that's happened. and I want to see what happens next. Well, why are we not so keen? You know, there's that sort of phrase, uh, all the gear and no idea. But this, is a bit te- this is a bit tenuous, but but stick with me. There's a lot of Richard Gere in it. His scenes are really good. His character is good. He's, he's very powerful. But for a lot of the time, there's a lot of tangents and I've not really got any idea which bit I'm supposed to be focusing on, 
what's the main story? Is it his son? Is it his wife? Is it him? Is it some other people we've seen? Some but that's of the, the reporters? point, isn't it? That it's all going to come together. It just about came together in the last 10 minutes. But before that, it just felt a bit all over the place. I wasn't sure where to focus. It didn't feel like there was enough information there. And I was struggling with it. The sex scene that you, you talked about, possibly the worst sex scene of all time <laughs> on television. You know, that that's a big thing to come back from as well. Terrible sex scene. I mean... Well, if you watched it and you think it's good, message us. I'd be interested to see what sort of uh, people think think that's a good sex scene. I thought it was terrible. So it's hard to come back from that as well. Richard Gere is brilliant. He's the best thing about it. But I think the storyline, I, I didn't, didn't hugely go for it. And there were lots of little things. I think also with it being media, it's hard if you're a journalist or if you work in the media to watch it and not find small faults, which is just a personal thing. It did come together at the end. There was a bit of intrigue. It might just about get me going back for episode two, but only just to be honest with you. And I, I say that was a real surprise because when I heard about this and a Richard Gere drama on BBC Two, I was really, really excited. And to be honest, I was just left a little bit disappointed after the first episode. But Helen McCrory's a class act, no? Yeah, she, she's very good in it as well. It's not really any of the actors themselves. And it also looks beautiful. It's really nicely shot, even the dodgy sex scene. Um <laughs> But it's more the storyline itself. I didn't feel like it hanged together perfectly. Um, I had lots of questions and not not in a sort of good intrigue, line of duty type way. Just a lot of questions into, into why we're seeing certain things and some things were happening that I didn't seem didn't really care about. And it, it just all felt a bit random at times, which is, yeah, why I say sort of all the gear, no idea. So it definitely could be better. I think there's probably a way it could be edited better. I just didn't love it. And I, I really was expecting to love it. It's probably the only thing we're going to talk about this week that I had a bit of a downer on, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting. I think actually I might agree with some of the stuff that you said, but just accept it now as a thing that happens in an episode one of a nine o'clock BBC Two drama. Often I'm confused. Often I don't really know who I'm supposed to be focusing on, but I've just sort of learned to live with that because that seems to be what they do now as a way to kind of keep you hooked. I think that's why I like Fleabag so much is because it, it chops and changes and it's exciting, but I always know what's happening. I'm, I'm never unclear about what's going on. And the other thing that may well happen is I may watch the second episode and it may all be a bit more clear and there may be some more transparency. And then if that's the case, I'd probably advise you to watch sort of one and two back to back, which obviously lots of people will do in this day and age on, on iPlayer. But but just at the moment, I'm, I suppose I'm on the fence and I really didn't expect to be in that position. I was expecting to love it. Well, let's talk about another BBC Two show coming back this week. White Gold. This is that comedy about double glazing salesmen with two of the in-betweeners in it. Uh, and people responded to it really well when it first came out. Less sort of fuss about Series 2 coming out. Jeffers, can you shed some light? Yeah, well, the main character in this is uh, Vincent Swan and he's played by Ed Westwick. He had a few um, problems, shall we say, at the end of last year. Some allegations put against him to, um, which caused him to be pushed out and he, he, he left a, a project at Christmas, an Agatha Christie drama project. He is back for this, but I don't know if that's why there's less press around it, less promotion. But it is back. It's very similar to the first series. I would say if you're a fan of, of White Gold Series 1, you're going to enjoy Series 2. What did you think? It's a bit laddie for me, I have to say. And it's it's set in Essex, which is where I grew up. But it's that kind of like wide boy, like, oh, I'm so arrogant. I can sell ice to the Eskimos, that kind of thing. Maybe I'm just bored of it because I saw too much of it growing up. But I just, I'm like, oh, really? I don't really want to celebrate these characters. I don't really want to spend time with these characters. But I get, I get what they're trying to do. And for its audience, I think it's, you know, there's not a dip from series one. Like you say, it very much carries on in the same vein. What, what you've also got is you've got, I think, one of the in-betweeners creators is involved uh, in the writing process. 
as you mentioned, you've got two of the original Inbetweeners cast. This is essentially a programme for that Inbetweeners audience who are now a little bit older. So instead of it being about school or sixth form, it's about some guys who are a bit older selling double glazing. It's pretty straightforward in that sense. And they do what they do well. And, it, you know, there are funny moments. I, I, I take on board totally what you mean about it being quite laddie. It's also a throwback to a time when I think people could be quite sexist. It was a different time. And I think some of the viewers probably, you know, hark back to things being a bit different. What you've also got, similar to Derry Girls, you've got a great soundtrack. You've got some really good 80s music in there. And the other thing for Series 2 is you've got a couple of new characters. You've got a rival uh, double glazing firm setting up. And you've got a, a seller there who's a female. Um, she's called Joe Scott and it played by Rachel Shenton. And you've also got uh, Ronnie Jr., which is a character, the son of uh, Ronnie, this sort of hard man in it. So there's some new characters to kind of make it a bit different. But essentially, it's exactly the same as White Gold Series 1. You know, it's the same great music, the same sort of attitude, the same chasing of girls. And I think if, if you liked it first time, you, you're going to like it again. Now it's time once again to add to the list of box sets to watch before you die. Each week, one of our favourite faces from the telly tells us a must-see series. Last week, Casualties Amanda Mealing chose Killing Eve, no arguments from us. And this week, as we're so excited for our extended interview with him in our bonus episode... We asked Ricky Gervais to tell us his box set to watch before you die. TV has been beating movies now for about 15 years. HBO started it really with things like The Sopranos and The Wire. And then people realised, oh my God, this is better than a movie. It's 10 times longer than a movie. You know more about it. It's just, it's captivating. And I think the one that really nailed it and is still great and stands up today is Murder One. One lawyer, one law firm, one case, one mystery. The whole truth's a pretty ambitious goal, but do tell me the truth I need to know. It's one story about a guy accused of a, a rape murder. murder. One detective, one suspect. I walked in, she was dead. One victim, one mistress, one wife. Tell them this is going to be very expensive. There's two episodes on them picking the jury. That's how intense it is. It's, it's just incredible. It's just beautifully written um, and still quite mainstream. This isn't going to be a challenging watch. It's as easy as a soap opera. One surprise after another, after another, after another. I have a warrant for Mr. Cross's arrest. You want to tell me how your case got so compelling? Back off. The one, the only, Stephen Bochco's Murder One, this fall on ABC. It's just brilliantly done. Wow. Well, for a start, I'm shocked because I thought it was going to pick up your enthusiasm. But secondly... What was that trailer? I mean, I don't know if it's just dated or what. It sounded like that Queen song, One Vision. You know, one, da, one, da. Uh, I just, what? Well, I think we've got to uh, trust Ricky on this one because I don't think either of us have watched it. But it Murder One, it ran on ABC and it ran for two seasons and it started in 1995. I think uh, it definitely sounds like the 90s when you're listening to that trailer. It does sound a little bit dated. But hopefully sort of the programme holds up a bit better. And it, it does sound like a good idea. It's basically a murder case. And it sort of takes a whole season for the case to sort of play out. There's a couple of key characters. There's a defence attorney uh, called Ted Hoffman. He's played by a guy called Daniel Benzali. And then there is the guy that basically he's defended, who is uh, Neil Averdon, played by Jason Gedrick. Basically, the case is a murder of a 15-year-old girl called Jessica Costello. And the court case plays out through sort of multiple episodes. As he says, it is like a soap opera. It's quite slow moving and there's different uh, developments each week. And uh, you, can, you can follow it through to find out whether he's guilty or not guilty. And where am I going to be able to find this? Well, I looked up yesterday and it was on Amazon Prime and Apple TV. 
but it's quite expensive on there. If you do like the sound of this recommendation from Ricky, I'd go to eBay. I found the whole of the box <laughs> set on DVD. I mean, you've got to have a DVD player still, but but I found the whole box set for £3 last night. So What a bargain. It, it does sound like it's worth watching, particularly if you like those sort of court case dramas. And I think it's going to have its twists and turns. And a couple of uh, obviously big central characters who sound like they put in some really good performances. Well, that's my weekend sorted. And we'll be hearing from another famous face from the telly to give us their box set to watch before you die next week. Well, we're nearly out of time for this week's episode. But as ever, save the best or last. We need to scan across our EPGs and hazard a guess at what we'll be talking about not just next week, but also next month and next year. Jeffers, it's the moment you wait for every week. All eyes on you. What are we going to be talking about next week? Next week, we've got the big new ITV drama called Cheat. It's a drama about academic deception and it stars Catherine Kelly as Dr. Leah Dale. We're going to be hearing more about that on next week's podcast too. Excellent. Next month? Next month, I'm very excited about this one. It's Line of Duty yes. Series 5. Uh, all the usual suspects back. Well, not suspects, but the the AC12 lot are back. Vicky McClure, Martin Compston, Adrian Dunbar. But we've also got some really good new guest stars, including Stephen Graham. He's going to be one of the sort of baddies, one of the balaclava men. We're going to be sort of going behind that sort of uh, gangland stuff as, uh, that we normally see on Line of Duty. And I think we should be seeing that yeah, in about a month's time. Oh, it's going to be so good. What about next year? Next year, there's been some good announcements since we last came on. There is an ITV drama called Glass Houses. That's a six-part drama that's going to star Dawn French and Julie Hesmanhal. I think that sounds uh, quite good. Dawn is at the centre of a village, basically quite a gossipy person, and I think she gives some gossip on a radio station and it all sort of spirals out of control. So I think that sounds quite good. And set in Devon so that she can have a, a short commute to work. Yeah, she'll be working from home almost, won't she? And then we've also on Channel 4, they've announced that The Handmaid's Tale third series, that is going to be on later this year or early next year. So, so that's going to be quite exciting to a lot of people as well. Fantastic. I absolutely love Handmaid's Tale. Lots for us to keep an eye on there. And that's all we have time for, I'm afraid. This has been the Series Linked podcast. Make sure you've subscribed so you're the very first to get your hands on our exclusive bonus episode with an extended interview with Ricky Gervais on Friday morning. And please keep those five-star ratings and lovely reviews coming if you'd be so kind. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. Nobody is going to push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is going to make you eat better. But here's the thing. Nobody has to. Because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from. Some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy. So we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.